turn to the back of your bulletin. You can see the study guide, and you can follow along. Years ago, we bought a really, really used car. Um, I'm talking $1,500 used car. It was old. It was basic, but it ran, and it was a good car. Had a good life with the first owner, and we were hoping to continue that. The, the issue we were concerned with was that the check engine light was on. So, of course, we asked about that, and he explained that it had been on for years. He'd had it checked. The engine was fine. There was just something faulty with that little warning light, and so they just ignored it. He was a friend of mine. Uh, I trusted him, so we bought the car, and sure enough, that was true. Drove that car for years and years and years and never had trouble with the engine at all. But what if the engine was having trouble? How would you know? If the light was always on. Well, fast forward. Last month, we were helping our daughter Emily and her husband John move 400 miles from Searcy, Arkansas to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, so he could uh, start his graduate work at the University of Ole Miss. Um, Emily and John have two old cars. One's 12 years old. The other one's 16. Um, But 400 miles, both cars did great. U-Haul did great. Move went without a hitch. So we helped them move in. We left town, got back. The next week, they're at a town that they know no one. Both cars died on the same day. Now, Emily's, that was 12, was just needed a new starter. John's was 16. It needed a new engine. Welcome to town, right? Well, here's the rest of that story. <clears throat> When we were doing the move, we took the U-Haul back, and I rode with John in his car, and I noticed the check engine light. And I thought, do I say anything about that, or do I just keep my mouth shut? I mean, they've only been married six months. I don't want to be that kind of father-in-law, you know, you know, you know. So I don't know if it was wisdom or cowardice, but I said nothing. Maybe I should have said something. <clears throat> The reality is, he explained later, that like our old car we had years ago, it had that same malfunctioning in the light, and, and so that wasn't really much help. But again, what if your engine's having trouble? Cars are designed that way. That's why that light is on your instrument paddle, so that when there's an issue that you need to have checked out, the light comes on. And if you look at your manual, because I've done this, if you've not, let me be the manual for you. It says, Get help now. In fact, some of them will say, don't drive it. Pull over and get help. Because something could be seriously wrong. When the light comes on, you're not supposed to ignore it. You're not supposed to pretend that it doesn't exist. You don't get black tape and put over it on your dashboard just so that you can't see it. In our lives, God has what I'm going to call in this series, two-part series, this Sunday and next Sunday, A warning system. He's warning us all the time as well. These lights that appear on the dashboard of our lives saying, hey, you need to have this checked out. It may be nothing. It may be something big. When the lights comes on, they are an invitation to take action. To get some help. To find out. Lift the hood up. Talk to somebody who knows more than you about engines. But we have this tendency, I think all of us, to just ignore the lights. To ignore the warnings. Maybe right now in your life, there's some early warning signals. Maybe it's in your marriage. 
Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's in your spiritual life where God's trying to get your attention. So in these next two Sundays, we're going to talk about God's warning systems. So as we get into this, let me begin by just sharing two thoughts just to, kind of, to begin with to make sure we're all on, the, all on the same page. First, there's a difference between commands and warnings, right? Do we all know that? There's a difference between commands and warnings. The command is what the Bible says in Scripture. It's the rules of God that are clearly established. But warnings are different. Warnings come to us when we're close to breaking those commands. We're right on the edge of breaking those rules. Now, as a parent, if you're a parent, you understand very well the difference between a command and a warning. And there's a difference between the two. Because in your home, you probably have certain rules that you want your children to follow. Like in our house, we had a a rule, use your inside voice when you're inside. And there are times where we had to warn our children. You ever have to warn your children? You know, you can sense they're getting really close to breaking the rule. Maybe it's sign language. You know, you just kind of do this. Or maybe it's the look. Children, adult children, do you remember your parents giving you the look? You know, didn't have to say anything. Or maybe it is a, a verbal warning. Maybe you say, remember, let's use our inside voices. In fact, sometimes even after a warning, we'll even say, you've been warned because we've given them the warning. And we all know what that means. I think this is what God does for us. He gives us the commands in Scripture, but He also gives us warnings. He's wise enough to see that we're getting close He knows we're being tempted. And at just the right time, when we really need that warning for Him, I believe God is there to give it. The second thing I want to make a distinction about these warnings from God, that these are not given from an angry judge. These warnings are from a loving Father. God gives us warnings in our lives because He wants what's best for us. He's not trying to to take away our joy and make our life miserable. He wants to make sure that we don't go into the ditch. That we stay on the road of life. So this is good news that God warns us. Because He cares for us. He wants what's best for us. Let me share an example of this. It's 2 Chronicles 36, 15. It's on the screen there. And in this passage, God is speaking and and sending a, a word, a warning to His people. The American Standard Version reads like this, And Jehovah, the God of their fathers, sent to them by His messengers, rising up early and sending, because He had compassion on His people and on His dwelling place. That phrase, and I chose the American Standard Version because it's one of several that used that phrase, rising up early. That doesn't mean God set His alarm clock and He got up before the human race. That's not what it means there. You know, we have little sayings, idioms that we say too, like at the crack of dawn, uh, and things. We know what that means. Early, early, early. Well, that's kind of what it means here. The Hebrew word that's translated rise up early is also translated morning. It means beforehand. Some translations will render this again and again. The idea before it was needed, before the car went off the road, he sent these warnings to let them know what was coming. So it's out of love that God sends us these warnings. And because He loves us, He activates these warning systems. He he gives us these warning lights. And if we pay attention, if we're looking at the dashboard, we're going to see that. And we can take the action that we need to, and in, in the end, save us from all kinds of heartache and difficulties. 
So as you consider this idea of warnings in Scripture, and you open your Bibles, you don't have to get very far before you see God going to work, giving the action, the warning to those He loves. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 4, and this is our text for the morning. You can open your Bibles. The verses will be on the screen as well. Adam and Eve at this time have two sons, Cain and Abel. Likely you're very familiar with this story. But I want to call your attention to this story, especially one verse that I know I just kind of read through and never really paid attention to before. Look in Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. It says, that Abel kept flocks, so he's the shepherd. Cain worked the soil, so he's the farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look on with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Now notice what's happening in this chapter. You've got Abel, who is obedient to God's command, and it brings the first fruits. He brings a portion of the best of what he has, and he gives it as an offering to God. But Cain doesn't do that. He's a farmer. You get the idea as you read through this, he sees what's on the ground and he collects it and he gives it to God. Kind of like when the plate is passed, you reach into your pocket and whatever you got, that's what, what, you, what you give. Now, there's a lot of discussion about this. Was it the wrong type of offering? What exactly were they commanded? We don't really know in Scripture because we're not given that. Was it poor quality? In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it says, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. What we do see in this passage is that God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejects Cain's offering. And Cain is discouraged by that. He's not sure how to react to that. He's jealous of his brother. He's angry. He's upset. And then here comes the warning. I want to draw your attention to verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Do you hear the voice of a loving father saying, listen, listen, it's not too late. You still have an opportunity to do the right thing. You still have the opportunity, even though you don't feel like it, to do the right thing and you'll be accepted. And then look at verse 7. Here's the warning. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must, must rule over it. So Cain is ready to open the door. And God sees that. There's a decision about to happen. So God sees Cain going toward that door that if he opens the door, it's only going to be bad news for Cain. And so you have this loving God, the Father, who goes over and puts his hand on the door and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't go through that. Think about this for a moment. Sin is crouching at the... If you go through that door... It's not going to end well. Take a moment. Think about what you're doing. So God gives this big, bright warning light to him. But Cain opens the door. You know that. Look in verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So God warned Cain. God told him, sin is crouching at your door. If you go through that door, it's not going to end well. But he did that. Cain doesn't see it. Cain's not listening. 
Cain's not paying attention. He's so caught up in his own emotions, his own thinking, he moves ahead and does what he wants to do. And do you know what I see in Cain? I see you and me. Because there's warnings from God in our lives, and sometimes we don't see them. We don't see the warning light on the dashboard of our lives. We don't hear the warning. And we just do what we want to do. So Cain's story really is your story, and it's my story. I could confess my own examples. I hear it all the time as a minister of people who say this very thing. People were given an opportunity to do the right thing. Others maybe came in and gave them a warning and tried to encourage them. But they don't do it for whatever reason. They go their own way, do the things they want to do. They don't realize their marriage is in pieces. And if they go through that door, it's just going to be the end. They don't realize that their children need them now more than ever, but they're so caught up in work they can't see it. They don't realize that spiritually as apathy has just taken over. Their heart is cold, but they don't see it. Here's what I've discovered about you and me and the warning lights of our life. We're pretty good about seeing them in hindsight, aren't we? We've come through a situation and we look back five years, ten years, twenty years ago, man, there were warning signs everywhere. But I didn't see them. Not then. Not at the time. But God is trying to get your attention. Maybe you can think back to a time you were in junior high. You were at church camp. A warning light came on. But you didn't do anything about it. Or maybe you can point back to a time in a dating relationship where the warning light came on, but you kept moving forward and forward. Or maybe as a parent, early on with your kids, there were some warning lights that came on, but you were tired. You are trying to make it through the day. And so you ignored them. But now you look back and you think, man, why did I not see the light? Why did I not do something? Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to heed the warning so here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at the dashboard of our lives and think about whatever season you're in and, and ask this question, is it possible that God is trying to tell me something? That God is trying to warn me of something, to get my attention, calling me to change, tell me to wake up, to open my eyes and to see something in my life. And to do it now because we're riding down the road, the light comes on as you crank the car. Sometimes as you're riding down the road, it comes on. It's like, what are you going to do? So these warning signs in life, fill in the blank, I want you to think about several ways where God warns us, these warning lights. The first is this, God will send you His Word at just the right time. There is amazing supernatural power in the Word of God. It'll speak into your life at the moment you desperately need it. If, as Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, I read this week about a couple who spent more than 20 years helping other couples in their marriage. And one of the reasons they're so successful in helping other couples in their marriage is because early on in their marriage, they, they almost didn't make it. It was so bad. In one year, the husband was in and out of the house eight times. Are we together or are we not? Are we going to divorce or are we going to stay together? And God sent a warning sign. And a friend of that wife invited her to church. And it just so happened, the message was on conflict in marriage. 
It was the warning light she needed to see. It made all the difference because she listened to the warning. She saw the light. She decided to give her life and start following Jesus. And because of that, they were able to restore their marriage and now have helped countless marriages celebrating 45 years and saying their marriage now is better than ever. You might look at that and go, was that just a coincidence? That she was invited to church and the message just happened to be about conflict? No. That is the Word of God at just the right time, at just the right moment. And I could tell you more stories like that, but I don't have to because you know stories like that. Where God works in people's lives at just the right moment. And in case you're not seeing it, for some of you, today might be your warning light. This message might be your warning. This may be the Word of God speaking to you. This is God saying, if you act now, if you open your ears, if you soften your heart, if you open your eyes, you don't have to go through that door and deal with this destruction. But in order to see the light, we've got to be reading the Word we're going to be into the Word. And we're going to be praying daily. God, speak into my life the truth of your Word. And as we do that, then we're going to have a heightened sense. Open ears to God's Word at just the right moment. Well, here's another warning light. The examples of others who go before us. The examples of others who go before us. To me, it's interesting that Cain is mentioned not just here in Genesis, but several times in the New Testament as well. Whenever Cain's name is mentioned in the New Testament, it's listed as, don't go there. It's the bad example. It's not, hey parents, i got a good name for you, for that baby of yours. No, it's like, don't be like Cain. The writers of the New Testament are pointing to us, saying, be careful. Don't follow Cain's path. Let me give you two examples. 1 John 3, 12. It says, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And in Jude 11, woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain. So Scripture will point to Cain and, and other examples in the Bible. And it shows you how not to do it. How not to, to follow. How, how, to, how to listen to God in a good way. Because there's something about seeing somebody else experience the consequences. Maybe we're on a similar path even. And you see somebody else where they chose that path you're considering and it didn't go well. It's like, ooh, I need to learn from that. Maybe I don't want to go through that door. Maybe I do want to heed the warning. And just step back and, and, and ask yourself some questions from other people and as you witness their life and say, you know, what about that co-worker who thinks it's okay to be flirtatious at the office? How did that end for them? How did that go for them? How did it work out for the guy who thought, you know, just a little pornography, that's okay, that won't hurt anybody, right? How did that work out for him? How did it work out for the parents who decided they're going to keep a busy life and they'll go to church when they can, but right now it's ball season, right now it's work, right now it's... How does that work out for them, for their family? If you step back from the different areas of your life and allow other people to be that warning light for you, if you keep going down this path, how's it going to turn out? Well, here's another warning light. Number three, God will use the words of someone in your life. Somebody in your life will say just the right thing at just the right time. I don't know if you know this or not, <clears throat> but all your friends and family, they can see the warning lights on your dashboard. 
Now, they may not see the warning lights on their own, but they can see yours. And when you're not around, they're probably talking about it. Are you going to tell him or should I tell him? Has anybody told him? The light's on. Because that's, that's the reality of the situation. And every once in a while, you have a good friend who will come to you and say, Hey, your check engine light is on. Did you know that? Have you had that checked yet? You need to go, you need to ride and take you to the, uh, the car place and, and get it fixed. But usually when someone comes to us and they point out a warning light, the wall of defensiveness comes up. What are you doing looking at my dashboard? Look at your own dashboard. I think I see some lights over there. Why don't you keep your nose out of my business? Nobody enjoys being warned, do we? I mean, there's no fun in that. Now, we might appreciate it in our moment of being wise and mature, but we don't like somebody else seeing our faults or that we're about to make a mistake. It's embarrassing. So nobody enjoys that. We become defensive. But what if it's God speaking through that person, warning you at just that moment? The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 6, the wounds from a, sin, a friend can, can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Maybe you have a friend who comes to you and says, look, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but I think you've got a drinking problem. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of folks are talking about your teenage son. There's an issue there. Are you aware? Has anybody brought that to your attention? Can we talk about that? See, the tendency is to be defensive. But what if it's God's warning system? If God sent someone in your life, maybe it's your parent, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a good friend, maybe it's a stranger, they've come to say something. And if you'll have ears to hear, it's not them speaking. It's God speaking. I think about King David. It was at a pivotal moment where sin was crouching at his door. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. You know this story. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So the servant is put in a very precarious situation. Find out about this woman. The servant knows what's going down. He knows what's about to happen. So what do you say? What do you say to your king? What do you say to your master? That's Bathsheba. And he swallows hard. The wife of Uriah. He didn't have to share that detail. But he did. I believe that was God speaking through that servant. The very message that David needed to hear. It was the warning light that he should have noticed. But his eyes, as we know, were in another place. He has the affair. It leads to murder. The death of his child. Generation after generation of heartache in his family. And if you have someone who speaks a word of warning to your life, just again, remember, nobody enjoys being warned, but listen to them. Would you just consider the fact that maybe it's God's warning you, the very thing that you're most defensive about, maybe the one thing that you need to give attention to. So here's another warning light. Number four, the supernatural leading of God. 
But we don't always call it supernatural leading of God. We don't ask for God to, do the, to lead us in that way. Sometimes we call it coincidence. Or something just happened. Maybe we call it chance. Maybe we think it's indigestion. But what if it's God speaking? You know, we're very comfortable asking God for guidance. We're very comfortable asking God for direction. We're very comfortable saying, God, help me, lead me. But are we opening our eyes and, and looking for Him to answer that prayer? To guide us and to lead us? I think God speaks to us more than we realize. I say that because I talk to people quite often and they don't see it. And I'm thinking, how can you not see it? Everybody else, all your friends see it. How can you not see it? We just dismiss it. I do that too. You do that. I think that's part of being human. So what I want to do as we close is just take a moment to think about all that we were talking about here and think about the dashboard of your life. So I want you to visualize driving a vehicle. Now, it needs to be a large vehicle because it needs to have several people, maybe a, a minivan. Or if you're a real man, it needs to be an SUV, right? <clears throat> Not a two-seater. These are, who are the people that matter in your life? Like, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey, a lot more people than we all realize. But the people that matter so much to you, that you affect. And as you're driving, I want to pay attention to some of the warning signs. Maybe one of the warning signs would be slow down. Slow down. One of the biggest reasons we miss the voice of God is because we're going so fast. We are so busy. Didn't even see the light. Didn't even think to slow down. You ever been driving down the road and you didn't even see the speed limit? And you wonder, what is the speed limit? It was posted. You drove right past it. You're go, go, go. And you didn't even see it. I want you to look who's in your vehicle if you think about that for a moment. Are you going so fast that you're missing out? on them. That they're not even a priority in your life. Maybe you just got a few years left with your teenage daughter at home. And maybe the warning sign of slow down is like, hang on, you just got this small window of where she's still at home, still with you, and how are you going to pour yourself into her for these few moments left as a mother, as a father? Because if you don't slow down now, there could be a very hefty price to pay later on. Or maybe it's your spiritual life. You have good intentions, but you're so busy with other things that just reading your Bible and praying, you just so often just get busy with life that all, all things spiritual, well, you're just coasting. Just going through. Maybe you need to give that some attention. But you can't do that. Driving as fast as you are. So maybe another sign would be sharp turn ahead. Maybe God's trying to get your attention to say, hang on. Put on the brakes. you got a sharp turn ahead. You don't know what that is. Maybe it's a health problem coming that you don't see. Or maybe it's a job change that you don't see. Or maybe your children is going to do something that you don't see. How are you going to handle that? Sharp turn ahead. You've got that junior high, middle school child at home. They're making friends that you're not really sure about. But you want your child to not turn away from you, to like you. What do you do? You really haven't said anything. Maybe it's time to be the parent and say something. Because now is the time. Because if you don't say something now, it could be a bigger problem later. Or maybe you're the student. 
in just a few years, you're going to be out of school and, and working or, or going to college. If you don't make some decisions now, there's got a sharp turn coming. How are you going to be ready for that? Well, here's another sign. Children playing. Kids at play. If you're not careful, you can seriously hurt one of them. With your careless words or your selfish example. Maybe your children are trying to warn you, Dad, why don't you come home and play with me? Mom, why are you always so angry and short-tempered? Here's another warning sign. Construction ahead. If you won't slow down, maybe God's sitting aside, I'm going to make you slow down. Make all the traffic slow down. You need to be prepared to do some work. Thinking a lot more than just backpacks and back to school clothes. But where are my children spiritually? Where are they relationally? Where are, where are we as a family? Maybe life needs some maintenance. Or maybe the sign is a little more dramatic. Maybe it's a railroad crossing sign. The bars are down. The, the, the clang is, is going. And it's time to stop. Trying to get your attention because you're hiding some sins, some struggles nobody knows. And maybe it's time for you to come clean with all of that. So that's a flashing sign that sin is crouching at your door. And God's saying, don't, don't, don't go any further until you deal with this. That anger is just a moment away from being abuse. That lust that you think you've got under control is about to spiral out of control and a fire that will burn your house down. Or maybe just spiritual apathy. You've gone so far, so long, you don't even feel anymore. You don't even think anymore. Kind of like that highway hypnosis. You go down the road and say, where are we? You don't have a pass the exit or not. Spiritually, we do the same thing. It's another day, you're just going, going, going. God, where are we? Are you ready for the Lord to come back? Do you anticipate His coming? So maybe that light is flashing. Say, wake up. You can deal with your jealousy. Deal with your envy. Deal with your ingratitude. Now's the time. There's one more sign that I want you to see. And that's U-turn. And what I want you to know is that always in life, whether the sign is there or not, if you look to Jesus, He is the ultimate U-turn. Because He wants to know you can always turn back. It is never too late. Wasn't that the message that God said to Cain? It's not too late. You can still do the right thing. You can still be accepted. Jesus is the U-turn. And the reason it's not too late is because Jesus paid the price for us. He's paved the road for us. He's made a way for us to have eternal life because He died on the cross for us. And as we go through life, these warning lights are flashing because your loving Father wants you to come home. He wants you to arrive safely. He doesn't want you to just put a piece of tape over that sign. He doesn't want you to just ignore it. He wants you to do something. Are you looking? Are you listening? Next week, we're going to talk about action. What it means next. Let's close with prayer. God, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ who came to earth 
and mastered sin because like Cain, we could not master sin. Because sometimes it's just right there at the door and it's all we can do is just go through. It gets the best of us time and again, but Lord, You come in and offer us grace. Thank You for Your forgiveness. But God, we also thank You for Your warnings that Your Word teaches us what Your commands are. And these examples that that help us to see what happens when we choose the wrong path and we continue to go through that door. When we say yes to sin. Father, help us to have ears to hear when someone is speaking to us. Help us to have a spiritual heart that knows when it's You who's calling us back. God, thank You for Jesus. Thank You for Your love. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. This morning, if you'd like to make a U-turn, the baptism in the water is always ready. We'd love to hear you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let Him make you a new creation. If you're discouraged, maybe there's a sin to confess, whatever you need, what you come as we stand and sing to encourage you.